for being here. If you have your Bible, you want to open it up to uh, Luke chapter 6. As we've been going through the Gospel of Luke in our verse by verse, chapter by chapter study in a series called Heaven to Earth. And so uh, we are looking forward to digging in today. Uh, How many of you enjoyed Easter service last week? Just out of curiosity. Awesome. How many of you were your first time last week and this is your second time today? Just out of curiosity. Awesome. There we go. We got a couple people here. You get extra uh, bagels outside and extra sandwiches because you actually came back. And a big reward in heaven. I think God will give you extra, extra, extra. Um, We're excited that you're here because I do believe God has something for each and every one of us. Um, I know that, you know, every time we come into church, there's an opportunity for us to sort of go into religious mode and and it's just sort of a duty and it's sort of a, well, this is what I'm doing as opposed to, God, what what do you want to speak to my heart today? What do you want to say to me today? And I think it's so important that we approach this time with a time of, all right, Lord, you've got a word for me. And it may just be one thing. It may not be this whole message. You may walk away going, well, I just remember the one thing. And I I want to apply that to my life. And man, if we could apply one thing from a teaching on Sunday to our life during the week, we'd be doing really good. And application is such a key, I think, to just just getting into God's word, which is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And so we, we go into it, we dig into it, and we want to apply it to our lives. So we're glad you're here. I'm glad you're dug, you guys ready to dig in. You're ready to hear from God. Uh, he wants to speak because it's his word. It's not my word. It's his word that's alive and powerful. And uh, we want him to speak to each and every one of us. So before we do that, before we even get into it, let's just pray. Ask God to bless our time and to speak every heart here. Father, we thank you for this time where we can gather together. Thank you that, Lord, we come off of an Easter celebration. But, Lord, we know that you we celebrate your resurrection every week. We celebrate that even in our own lives. Lord, that you have changed us. You have taken us from the, the pit and the depths of despair. And you've put our feet upon the rock. You've changed our lives. You've forgiven us our sins. For those who come to know you. And for those who haven't yet, Lord, we pray you would help them to. But God, more than anything, we want to ask you right now in the name of Jesus that you would please speak to us. That you would encourage us. That you would help me. Lord, to share your heart, that this would not be a time where I'm just speaking my own words, but it would actually be your word that by your spirit that would speak to every heart here, that no word would fall to the ground, but actually it would penetrate our minds and our hearts, and it would guide us and direct us towards you to know you better, to be more like you, and to act like you. So God, we pray now, bless this time, speak to us, in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen, amen. Hey, I don't know about you, but um, freedom is a really good thing. Freedom. If you've ever had a car payment and you've paid that car off, there is such freedom in that. And you know what I'm talking about? There is like, you just feel like writing a note. You know what I'm talking about? You want to write a note to the bank going, you don't own me anymore, you know? And uh, I think there's a song there. And so, uh, but there's this freedom that happens, right? A freedom. Not only that, but 
freedom from your cell phone bill. I mean, how many of you have gotten rid of the plan and maybe you're a monthly or whatever it may be, and there's that freedom, freedom from all the extra charges. There's freedom when you make decisions. I happen to be a person, and I know some of you think I'm nuts, but um, there was a decision I made. I said, well, I'm going to cut my cable, and I know it's like, how can you live without cable? I know, I know, but I actually cut my cable, so I don't have cable, um, and so there is this incredible freedom. I have, what, what do you do I have these antennas that are set up and I pick up all the HD quality you know local stations and I actually get them better than I did on my cable weirdness I know but I get them in HD and I'm thinking this is better than what cable was but uh, and I'm not trying to tell you that you need to do the same thing but there was something incredibly freeing to me not to pay the cable company my cable bill it was so freeing now if you come over to my house I may have to have you stand in the corner like with your hand up with the antenna while we're watching the game like I like to invite people over to just for that. Oh, no, you stand over there. Lift up your right hand a little bit more. Just to move that way. What do you mean you can't see it? Turn the TV so they can see it. There you go. No, I don't do that. No, it works pretty good. It's amazing. But there's, there's something about that freedom, that freedom that comes. And I'm going to tell you right now, there's nothing better than the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. You know, the Bible certainly does declare in John chapter 8, Jesus said it this way. Uh, Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, there's there's this freedom that Jesus brings. It's a freedom. I've I've been free from the bondage of sin. I'm free from man that I have to do this and I have to do that. But now I've 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 been given forgiveness. And so, for some of you, um, maybe you haven't experienced that freedom in Christ. But man, before maybe you were in bondage to something. For those of you know it, you were captive by it. And that's what you had to do. And then when you came to Christ, you realized, man, I'm, I'm actually, I don't have to do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. I'm actually free not to do that anymore. It's, it's, it's a freedom. It's a freedom that actually Jesus brings. And, you know, when he said the enemy, the thief, steal, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. I hope that we all experience life abundantly. Life to the full. That it's not... This Christianity, I I pray that it would never just be, you guys, just a, a, a rote routine or a rote religious exercise for us, but that we are excited about Jesus like we were last week on Easter about the resurrection, you know, how fired up everybody is. And it's almost like the week after Easter, there's sort of this, okay, well, that was good last week, but I'm a little tired this week. I mean, we did so much praise in the Lord. But I'm gonna tell you, there should be an excitement in us every day. Because every day we can wake up and go, oh, Jesus rose from the dead and I've been forgiven of my sins and I am free indeed. You have freedom, I have freedom. Because Jesus, the title of this teaching today is Jesus, he actually brings freedom. And there's this freedom that he brings that we're going to look at in our study in Luke in these first 16 verses that we, in chapter 6, there's this freedom that he brings that in different categories. And I've just sort of broken them down that, that it, it's this freedom from, from thinking that I have to earn salvation, freedom from being controlled by my weaknesses or my flesh, freedom to commune with God. Those are three things that you're going to see today. Freedom from thinking I have to earn salvation, freedom from being controlled by my weaknesses, freedom to commune with God. And so what we're doing is, as we go going through the gospel of Luke, we have this opportunity 
to experience this, to say, all right, Lord, what, what do you want to say to me today? And uh, we've prayed, and now we're going to dig in. Luke chapter 6, check it out with me. Verse 1, we're going to pick it up uh, right here. And you're, if you give you a little backdrop, because this is where we left off a couple weeks ago, because we had Easter and we had a little uh, Palm Sunday message. But remember, Jesus had just got done talking to the guys and saying, hey, there's, there's this old wine, new wineskins. You don't put uh, old wine into into." These, these new wineskins, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. You got to have this new wine. And you see, that's what Jesus comes to do. He comes to do this new thing in our lives. And so many people were still stuck in the old ways. And the Lord is saying, hey, I've got something new. And you're going to see that as the Pharisees, these were these guys who were serious scholars, but also serious legalists. They were legal. They had a list of laws that they just wanted you to obey. And they didn't just want the laws, but they, they, they had the traditions that went along with it. And so they wanted to kind of push that on everybody and make sure that this was more of a burden for people than it was a blessing. Jesus comes and he's saying, hey, I've come to set you free and free indeed. And we see that in verse one because of the Sabbath and what happens. Now it happened. Check it out. On the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields and his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? But Jesus answering them said, have you not read even or even read this? What David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread and also gave some to those with him, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat. And he said to them, the son of man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Now, these First of all, I know for some of you, if you're new to the Bible and you're kind of like, all right, we're going through the Bible and you're reading about disciples going through a grain field, picking grain, you're going, what does that have to do with me today? You know, it's like, I don't even get that. But you got to understand back in those days, there's no Chipotle, there's no Taco Bell. It's not like you could roll through and grab a snack. They're, They're going through the grain fields and they're picking stuff. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to go into the woods and we'd be playing and I'd find blackberries. Anybody have that? is before you had to spray them and make sure they were organic and everything. And you just pull them off. You didn't wash them. You just ate them. And I know some of the moms are going, don't do that. Don't tell my kids to do that. But back in those days, you could do it. And so it's kind of one of those things you would just, it was one of those, you'd pick them off. Well, these guys were hungry and they're going through the grain fields. And you know what? The law actually didn't say they couldn't do that. The law said you could go into your neighbor's field And you could take whatever you could by hand, but you couldn't use a sickle. You couldn't use some instrument to kind of get it to come off. So they would actually take the the kernel or the corn of the wheat and they'd rub it together and make sure they got rid of the chaff. And then they'd eat this little corn corn of wheat. And so here they are, they're, they're walking through these fields. But what happens is Jesus, he basically is like, saying, well, yeah, let's, let's grab something to eat. It's the Sabbath. And then some of the Pharisees said, well, why are you doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath? You see, it wasn't that the law, it was more of you can't work on the Sabbath. And so for them, tradition had it for them by teachings. And what they said was you can't even rub together your fingers to get rid of the chaff. To them, that was work. 
So if you're hungry, sorry, you've got to starve because what you're doing is work. And so this was the, the legalism, if you would, that would come down. Because why? Well, because for many of the, you've got to understand, these guys, they really believed that the Messiah would not come back, many, until Israel all obeyed everything, on, uh, the Sabbath rules. And so they were big on, man, we gotta, we got to do this the right way. we got to make sure that we are doing this. But you see, this, this became more of a burden than a blessing. God made the Sabbath for, for man. And so check this verse out that Jesus even would go on to say in Mark chapter 2. He said this. He said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Yeah, it's... It, 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 the whole picture, and you got to understand, because I know in today's culture, it's kind of like, what's the Sabbath? Well, the Sabbath is actually the seventh day. Jesus, you know, God created the heavens and the earth. Six days he worked, and then he rested, and this was the Sabbath. Then he got a covenant with the nation of Israel that they would obey the Sabbath, that they would keep the Sabbath, they would rest. And so you see many people today still, hey, from Friday, sundown to Saturday, this is their Sabbath day. And so for somebody, you may say, well, oh, shouldn't we actually then obey the Sabbath? And even there are people who will kind of put that burden on you. But I'm here to tell you that the Sabbath is an Old Testament covenant with the nation of Israel. And it wasn't about, it was a picture, if you would, that you worked, 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 and then on Sunday you rested. But you've got to understand that with the new covenant, with the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are in the new covenant. His blood covered all of our sins, paid the price. All the handwritings of the law was nailed to the cross. So, in fact, it's not about obedience. It's about uh, that we have to do that. Now the work is done. So, in fact, it starts on the Lord's Day, which is the first day. And that's not the Sabbath, but that is the day we celebrate a lot of times church. We come together on Sunday. But do you know that that's not in the Bible either, that you have to do church on Sunday? I know I'm breaking everybody's heart right now. It's like, wait a second. I thought I was getting extra credit because I came on Sunday. That's when the early church would meet. Yeah. Let me give you a few verses so you kind of understand the flow of what we're talking about. Check out. This this is uh, the next verses. I think we have Acts chapter 20, verse 7. And this verse right here. And here's what it says. Now, on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to part the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Aren't you glad I'm not Paul? (laughs) So you're going, what do you mean? He kept talking until midnight? Like, was it 1130 when he started? No, it was early. And so together to break bread, they ready to part the next day. The first day of the week, that's Sunday. In the calendar, that would be Sunday. So they got together on Sunday. And so we look at why did they get together on Sunday? Well, because Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday. And so there's this Sabbath. Yes, I I have that. But can I just say to you that there can be this sort of thought process that we have to do it on a Saturday. Some people will throw that legalistic rap at you. But I'm going to tell you right now that, that, that you as a Christian are under the new covenant. And here's what the Bible says that Paul would go on to say in Colossians chapter 2. Check it out. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16, 17. You guys can write these verses down. So let no one judge you in food or in drink in regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbath, which are a shadow of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So in other words, this Sabbath, you guys, it's, it's a rest day, but it's 
doesn't matter for us as New Testament Christians. Our rest is actually in Jesus Christ because we no longer have to do anything in order to earn anything. You see, I don't have to obey rules and regulations in the law, the 613 commandments that the Old Testament lists down. I don't have to obey that in order to sense that, man, maybe I will be righteous before God because it was just a tutor to show people that you couldn't because the law was actually a tutor to bring Messiah to everybody to say, oh, a savior. And when the savior came, he dies on the cross and he rises again. And that first day, oh, what happens? I'm forgiven of my sins. I no longer have to do anything. The work's been done. Now the rest of the week, I do things for him because he's changed me by his grace and his love. Do you get what I mean? So it's not, it's, it's, it's not this, oh man, I've got to have this day because even Paul would go on to say in Romans chapter 14, check it out. Romans 14, one person esteems one day above another. Another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. So in other words, you could go to church. You could say, well, man, I work on Sundays. So I go to church on Wednesdays or I go to church on Mondays or I go to church, you know, Do you realize the early church, they were breaking bread, Acts chapter 2 and 3. They were breaking bread every day. They were hanging out every day. So it wasn't like, oh, wow. You know, it it was every day the church, if you would, they'd go from house to house and open up the word. And so I just want to encourage you on that because I think here's what can happen. There can be this. Um, tactic by some people who kind of bring in, if you would, that if you don't have Christ and you're obeying the Sabbath on a Saturday, that you're not really living as a real Christian. Can I tell you that Paul says in Acts chapter 15, verse 8 to 11, he says this, and maybe, do we have that one? Acts 15, 8, 8 through 11. And maybe I'll just turn there because we don't have it. Acts 15, 8 through 11. Look, look with me. Here's what Paul says. So God, who knows the heart, acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did. And this is, and what did he do? He's talking about the Gentiles. The Gentiles, there was this argument by the Jerusalem council over, will the Gentiles actually, they, they should start acting like this. They should start doing things like this. They should start being more like us. Well, God who knows the heart acknowledged them. This is Paul speaking by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. So what's Paul saying? It's not about this argument was about circumcision. It's not about they have to be circumcised and we're going to throw this yoke on them. It's not about Jesus and I have to do this. It's Jesus did it and it's by his grace that we're saved. And that's how we all come to know Jesus Christ. And when I say grace, for those who may be new to the Bible, it is this unmerited favor of God that you don't do anything to deserve the, the, the quality, the blessing that God is going to pour out to you. That in fact, we get forgiveness and the promise of eternal life and we do nothing for it. And so the first point for you is this, that Jesus is for us and not for our religious traditions. You see, Jesus, he's for us. He's for us. Yeah, he's for us and not for our religious traditions. 
Yeah, I, I, I really believe that there's this picture, if you would, in, in, in this, this story where these guys, they are not for that people. They're hungry. I mean, why don't they just get some grain? I mean, that's cool. But no, Jesus, he's for us. And so what does he do? He actually, if you go back, and I know that uh, in, in Luke chapter 6, you see this played out as the disciples are trying to, you know, rub their hands together and get a little kernel of corn, whatever it may be. The Pharisees are trying to catch Jesus. I mean, they're always trying to catch him in something that they could accuse him of. But here's what the rub really is, is that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath, he says, which is basically proclaiming that I am God. I'm, I, I, it's his way of just saying, because God made the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I can do whatever the Sabbath I want to do. And I'm, 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 cha- I'm bringing something new. I'm bringing freedom. It's not about you have to do this. What is about to happen is he's going to die on a cross and it's all going to be done. So where we are is it's Jesus is for us and not our religious traditions. So many times we can get caught up in those things. Jesus points out to them, he takes them, check it out. He takes them to the word in verse three. He said, have you not, have you not even read this? What David did was he was hungry. So he takes them to an Old Testament scripture in Samuel, talks about how David was being chased and then all of his buddies. And these guys had read it. It's not like they hadn't read it. They're Pharisees. They knew the law. They knew how many letters in the law. They knew everything about it. So they had read this story, but he is taking them the word, which is a great word for us, that when somebody has a question for you, that you actually have to show them the scripture of what you're talking about. Like, yeah, but the Bible actually says this. It's a great phrase. Hey, the Bible says this. It's something to encourage. Here's what I I see the Bible saying, and this is where I stand on my truth. But here he says, yeah, they went into the house of God, took and ate the showbread, which was supposed to be just for the priests, but they ate it. And he said, and that's when he said to them, the son of man is also Lord of the Sabbath. You see, the Sabbath was meant to be a blessing and not a burden. And what happened was these guys we're making it a burden because they wanted everybody to, maybe it was, hey, we want to make sure the Sabbath kept because we're waiting for the Messiah. They didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. But at the same time, we want to, we don't care about your needs. We don't care about where you're at. We're going to throw our traditions on there and we're going to make you be who you want. Now, can I just say, as Christians, we can do the same thing. Because we can look on at people and we could say, well, wait, they don't act like me or they're not talking like me, or they're not, they're, they're not really being who I think they should be. And we could be so full of judgment and legalism versus grace for people that we forget that he's for us. He's for us. You know, if God is for us, you remember the rest of that? Who can be against us, right? He's for us. It's like he died on the cross for you, for me. He gives us this opportunity to kind of get into the word and to understand how he can change us. He does not desire sacrifice. The Hosea 6.6 6 talks about it. You know, th- this is that picture where he, he does not desire um, uh, sacrifice. He, he loves mercy. And so check it out. I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. 
Like we could bring all of our duties and everything and you could say, well, I'm going to church, but that guy's not going to church or I'm reading my Bible more, but that guy's reading the Bible more and I don't know where they're at. And listen, I think it's really good to encourage people in their faith. But at the same time, let me tell you, it is not good if we think that we are so without anything wrong in our life that we begin to look at others with our own traditions we've set up and we forget that there's this big plank that's as long as I-95 sticking out of our own eye and we're trying to take the speck of sawdust out of somebody else's eye because the Lord is for us. And I hope, church, that we would be for each other, right? Like that we would look for each other and say, oh, man, I'm so glad you're here. Oh, man, I... You missed a few weeks. You know what? I'm just stoked you're back. Instead of, where you been? Sign up here because Pastor Greg wants to write you a note. (laughs) Where have you been? You are definitely, I don't know if you're going to heaven anymore. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on. Oh, no, no. You're doing the Jesus and thing as opposed to Jesus did it. And you know what? I, by the grace of God, I stand here. By the grace of God, you stand there. And it, so many times it's, we can be so quick to judge somebody else as opposed to just saying, Lord, thank you that I am not perfect and that you still love me. How many are not perfect here today? Just go ahead and raise your hand. A couple people are perfect. I like that. You guys are like, you don't know how long I spent getting my hair to look like this. I am perfect today. <laughs> but it is, it's that picture, you guys, that, He's for us, not the religious traditions. And you can bring whatever you want and act like, well, this is it. But you know what? He's for the relationship with you. He wants that relationship with me. It's not just, can I, listen, I am like you. I am a human being who has a relationship with a living and loving God, relationship. And I have to work on it as hard as you do. There is no superpower in me, Greg, the uber power pastor that is able to connect with God better than anybody else. I'm telling you right now, you have the same connection that I do. It's just a matter of will we actually use it and will we actually walk that way and will we actually let the grace of God pour over us so that we don't have to try to throw the judgment on somebody else. So I hope that was sort of a quick little Bible lesson on Sabbath. We'll cruise through the rest. And I hope you understand now that our rest is in Christ. That actually, when he died on the cross, there is nothing else that you and I have to do. Now, is it healthy to rest your mind and your heart and your body? Yeah, I think it is. I think it's healthy to come to church, be with the body. The Bible even says, don't forsake the assembling of the brethren. So there's something togetherness about that that inspires you, that uplifts you, that gets you ready for that week ahead, whatever it may be. But man, it could be any day of the week. Do you get that? It, it could be any. Do we want you to come together on Sunday? Yeah, we, we want to celebrate the Lord on the first day. But it doesn't mean that, man, all right, uh, that person's telling me that I have to do it on Saturday. Now I am going to keep on doing it the way the Lord said. He died for me on the cross. I'm going to believe that, you know what? He has this picture for me of, of rest. And that rest happened when he died for me. And we can get so caught up. You know, we were singing that song and it reminded me of this story. Sorry. I just thought about it. 
We were singing that song, and I love that song, Jesus. Isn't that a great song? Jesus, the, the, this powerful name. There's no more powerful name than Jesus. I had a guy come up to me during one of our events recently and telling me that, in fact, you can't use the name of Jesus, that it, it actually you need to use the, the Hebrew and the Aramaic and the mixture. It's uh, Yahshua, and you have to use the correct spelling of it because there's a lot of Jesuses out there. Uh, you know, I just, I just got waited on one at Panera Bread the other day. And, uh, you know, how can that be the name that's above every name if you've got people naming their kid Jesus? And, uh, you know, and I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, do you miss this whole picture of what God is doing? We're trying to outreach this community, and it's by the name of Jesus. If you want to call him Yahshua, go for it. But Jesus is the name. It, it was so like, are you, come on. People get so caught up in minutia. That they miss the simple blessing of Jesus dying on a cross for your sins. If you're here today, can I tell you, Jesus loves you. And he died for you. And you can call him whatever you want, but I'm going to tell you right now. His name is Jesus, and he died for you, and he rose again, and he loves you and cares about you. And maybe that's the reason you're here today, that you can know that I don't care what sin you brought into this house today, that the Lord above, God in heaven, actually would forgive you of every one of your sins because of what Jesus did for you on the cross if you're willing to accept his payment for your, de- for your sin and the death that he paid for you and for me. I mean, that's it. It's simple. Okay, back to Luke. That was a side story. It was classic, though. Getting a heated argument with some guy about Jesus and Jesus and Yahshua. Check it out, verse 6, Luke chapter 6. Now it happened on another Sabbath also. So another Sabbath. So basically the Pharisees are looking for Jesus to do something on the Sabbath And, you know, he had a reputation, if you would, of helping people. I hope that we as the Cross Church always have a reputation of helping people. You as a Christian have a reputation of helping people, that you have compassion for people. He entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So Luke tells us it's his right hand because Luke's a doctor, so he's specific. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. And then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. You see, they, maybe they invited the guy with the withered hand to church that day. Maybe that guy's like, wow, they're inviting me to church. And maybe he's in the midst of the synagogue. Jesus is teaching. But Jesus notices that this guy has the withered hand. If you ever felt like an outcast, I'm going to tell you right now, Jesus will notice you. You never are an outcast in the eyes of the kingdom because the Lord sees you. He sees whatever withered hand that you may have, the outcast, the person that, well, nobody's going to hang out with. Well, that's who the Lord loves. I hope that's our heart, that when people come in, that we have that heart of Jesus where it's like, well, who's the least? Who's the person that we can love? Who's that person that, man, we want to put our arm around and encourage? And he then obviously has, knows what's going on. He knows their thoughts. 
And he has the guy stand in the middle. And you can imagine the eyes of the people. They're waiting to catch Jesus to see if he's going to heal this guy on the Sabbath. Again, people over policy is the Lord's expression. They're putting policy over people. It's like, well, this guy would do better without a withered hand, wouldn't you think? But Jesus could have waited a couple hours and waited until the Sabbath was over and then he could heal him. But he wanted to make a point that I'm coming to do something new and I've got, I've got a new covenant and I'm bringing freedom to people. I'm not letting you just dog people with this burden. I'm going to let them know that there is a blessing in the midst of this. And so what happens? As this guy's standing there and Jesus looks at this man and says, hey, um, Listen, uh, first he says to them, I ask you one thing, is it lawful to do good or do evil on the Sabbath to save life or destroy? And you got to understand that he knows their thoughts. He knows they want to kill him if he heals them. Crazy. Like, okay, you can't heal this guy, but we can, we can have thoughts to kill you. Hello? A little bit mixed up. So what happens? Jesus says to this man, and I love this, if you look at it, stretch out your hand. Now remember, it's a withered hand. The other hand, we, maybe it worked perfectly, but this hand doesn't work. And in that moment, he has to stretch it out. You know, we talked about in the beginning what these freedoms were. You know, we talked about the first part was the, the freedom. Well, we had this freedom uh, of, uh, you know, that we're going to have from thinking I have to earn salvation. And we just talked about that, that it's not about what I do, it's about what Jesus did. But this is freedom being controlled by my weaknesses. You see, this man, this is a great illustration for us of you and I getting to a place where we realize that in that moment, if God speaks a word to you and me, if he actually shares with you and me a command, a verse Whatever it may, if we listen, even though in the midst of the difficulty of that situation, I believe he will empower you in that obedience. And that's the next step here. It's this point here that Jesus, he will empower us in the midst of our obedience. Jesus empowers us in the midst of our obedience. And what does that mean? Well, you get this command. He speaks. He commands, we obey, but we think, oh, there's no way I can do that. And just like this guy in the midst, can you imagine in the midst of all these people, he's probably looking around and there's all these haters and doubters and everybody looking at him like, oh, you're, don't do it. Don't stretch out your hand. You can't do that. Oh no. And then he probably looks back to Jesus and there's Jesus going, stretch out your hand. I bet you that was probably one of the coolest maybe moments right there, right? Like he looks into the eyes of Jesus and what does he see? He sees, I'm for you. Stretch out your hand. But I can't do that. Stretch out your hand. Oh, but I'm not able to do that. No, go ahead and stretch out your hand. And in the midst of, okay, you said it. I hear it. I'll obey it. But I don't know how. And what is the Lord empowers him to stretch out his hand and he's completely healed. Now, Here's where we take it to our lives, and what does that mean for us? Well, what's your withered hand? I mean, is it lying? Is it cheating? Is it gossiping? Is it sexual immorality? Is it pornography? And you say, you don't understand. I, I can't get rid of it. I've heard the verses. I've heard the commands. I've heard the, 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 the lines about not cursing, not using the Lord's name in vain. I've heard the lines about fleeing sexual immorality. I've heard all these lines. But, but Lord, I just it's so hard. 
And he's saying, no, you just take the first step. Go ahead. You hear, you obey. I'll empower you to be able to do it. You just got to have to take the first step. See, I, I really believe that for you and I, it's that picture right there. It's that, man, I, I've got, this is, this is it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, I can do that. Because the Lord will empower you in the midst of whatever obedience. You take that step of obedience. He speaks to your heart. You take it. He's going to empower you to go ahead and do the things that he is calling you to do. It's not that you're on your own. He is with you always, even to the end of the age. He's not left you. So whatever problem you may be dealing with, could be your marriage and difficulties, could be communication problems. And you're thinking, I can't even do it. There's no way. And the Lord's looking at you with those eyes going, go for it. I'm for you. You just got to take that first step. Love your wife as Christ loved the church. Go ahead. Come alongside. Submit to your husband. Be, be that person. that Be a team player. Go ahead. Work as a team. And it's that, oh, okay, Lord. And in the midst, you pray and you ask God for help. And you realize, man, I just got to stretch out my hand because... Lord, you're going to give me everything I need. I just got to take the first step. That's it. So whatever it may be, that withered hand in your life, whatever that difficulty is, I really believe that the Lord wants us to to make the most of it. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14 says this, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty. Only don't use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. So there's that word freedom. We've been called to freedom. We've been given freedom, right? But it's not that we should use freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, for, and I said weaknesses, but really it's flesh. And, and that's really, that's that sin nature in us, right? We don't, we don't just take grace for granted and start going on and doing the same thing. No, he says, but though, uh, don't use it as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbors yourself. There's this something that happens when you just obey, and I'm not going to take advantage of what, what the Lord has done for me, but in the midst of it, he changes me so that, man, I celebrate his resurrection and his resurrection power. I rest in him, and then I, it allows me to be somebody to somebody else, to serve somebody else. And that's that picture for us. Man, I want to be that. Lord, help, help me to be that. Finally, Luke 6, pick it up in verse 12. It came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose 12, whom he also named apostles, Simon, who also named Peter, Andrew, his brother James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who was also became a traitor. Yeah, this is the first picture. Jesus is about to pick his disciples. He's about to make one of the most important decisions of his life in this earthly existence. 
You remember, he is man, but he's God. He's 100% man, 100% God. So here it is. He is in that picture, and I'm going to pick my disciples. I'm going to pick these apostles, these one that are going to be messengers. They're going to be sent out. Who am I going to pick? And what does he do? It says he came to pass in those days. He went to the mountain to pray. And we talked about this freedom to commune with God. We talked about that in the beginning. If this was that third section, it's like, all right, I got the freedom that I'm not... <laughs> I'm not, I'm not having getting salvation by earning it. Um, I have the freedom that I am, in fact, uh, that person that is, that is not, uh, uh, I don't have those points up there yet. Okay. So I'm, I'm freedom that I'm not controlled by my own weaknesses. And I have a freedom to commune with God. So this commune with God is, man, you and I get that freedom because of what Jesus did. It has nothing to do with us. It has everything to do with that Jesus died on the cross for you, that my sins would separate me from a holy God. But it's by his great sacrifice that you and I can enter into the throne room of God by Hebrews 4 and enter into the throne room of grace because of what Jesus did, not because of anything we do, but because of everything he did. So that we could go into his throne room and commune with him, that we have a relationship with him. Do you understand it's, you're forgiven that God would look at you as Jesus because you've been forgiven by his blood. It's not, you don't take your old you in there. You take the new you because Jesus wants to do a new thing in you and in me. That's a good promise, right? That I can go to the Lord and it's not like he sees the old Greg, but he sees the new one. And there's an excitement that rolls in And that I can have this communion with God. And here's what happens. Jesus, he shows us that prayer is a priority. Do you understand it? It's like he, what does he do? He's God in the flesh. And yet it comes to pass in those days. He went out to the mountain to pray. He got alone and he continued all night in prayer to God. So he he actually said, I'm going to prioritize this because I'm going to get away and I'm going to spend some time and I'm going to figure this out. This decision that I have, maybe it's to pray for the, the people. Maybe it was to pray for wisdom for the who am I going to pick. But whatever it may be, he got and just prayed. And you may say, well, he was God. Why would he even have to do that? Because he was still man and God. There was weakness in him. He wanted the Father's direction. And I hope that you and I will always seek God's direction on everything we do. That we would look and say, Lord, what what is my priority? I mean, let's be honest. When you want information, it's, it's so easy. Nowadays, if I want an answer to something, it's so easy to Google a question. You know what I mean? Like, what, what, what is this? And you Google it. Siri, if you have an iPhone, you can ask Siri. I think Siri doesn't listen so well sometimes. How many of you guys have found that out? You ask Siri, like, hey, where is this restaurant that I'm going to? Uh, the weather in Atlanta, Georgia is 78 degrees. I'm like, I didn't ask you that, Siri. Or she's just lazy, and she says, I can't find anything on that subject. I'm like, you can't even look it up. Do you know what? You go to the throne room of God, and he's all ears. And he hears, and he understands. And what we do is we're able to bring to him anything, any request. The psalmist said it this way, Psalm 25. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. 
if you just prayed that, Lord, show me your ways. What direction do you want me to go? What path do you want me to take? You're seeking wisdom? Jesus was seeking wisdom for everything that was going on in his life. He's saying, hey, I got to find the way, Lord, which one? And you may say, well, he picked Judas. What was up with that? Man, aren't you glad he picked Judas? Because Judas is the one who betrayed him. Because he picked Judas, he ends up picking you and me. Because he goes to the cross and he dies and he rises again. I'm just surprised he did choose us too. And we have this opportunity to see these disciples. Few qualified, dark past, some of them, quick-tempered, you know, fishermen, tax collectors, people from walks of life that you go, how did these guys become the apostles? How did they become the guys who were going to spread the good news of Jesus to the world? How did they end up turning the world upside down? How did they change everyone to know that, man, to get the gospel out, to know that Jesus is the one who came? How did they get so bold? What, what happened in these guys? Jesus is for them. He believed in them, just like he does in your life. And he changed them. And by the power of the Spirit, they were able to go out and do incredible and powerful things. And the question is, are you and I available for that? Do we say, Lord, you've set me free for a reason. What is it? Freedom. Lord, I love the freedom from all these things. But has he set you free? Because I believe he wants to use you for great things. You don't have to be apostle in front of your name. He wants to use you just the way you are. He wants to use you where you're at, at your workplace, with your kids. Some of you are moms and single moms, and it's you're probably praying all the time for your kids. You're praying for wisdom on how to raise them. You're praying for them as they go to school or they go to college. And you're praying for God to protect them. And you say, Lord, I just, I want to, I want to see, Lord, your ways. Do you know He's, he's allowed you and I to have this relationship with him. That the name of Jesus would be in our hearts, in our minds. And he would change us and give us freedom. And I believe that freedom has an opportunity for you and I to have the freedom to say, Lord, use me this week. So what do we do? Well, I think if we could take three things that are practical or a couple things that are practical from this. Hey, could we as a church be for one another just as Christ is for us let's be for one another this week let's pray for one another let's encourage one another let's not pick the speck out of their life while we got a plank on our own but let's be for others amen the second thing is hey not only that but let's step out in faith because you have a withered hand can I say if that sin is in your life whatever that sin may be you have to take that step to step out of it And you have to say, Lord, I'm going to step out because I've heard the verse. You've promised me. You've commanded me. I need to obey you. So I'm going to step out. And whatever it may be, whatever weakness that may be in your life, and you may not even think it's sin for you, but you may just think, man, I'm just weak in this area because I'm afraid of sharing with people or I'm afraid of being bold with my neighbor. Um, Lord, the Lord wants you to step out. Like, hey, I want you to, I want you to step out. Step out of whatever sin. And thirdly, ask. Spend time with the Lord and ask him 
for what is ahead for you. I guarantee if I pulled everybody in here, you would all say, we would all say, I could pray more. Jesus spent a whole night in prayer. God in the flesh. I'm going to seek your ways, God. It's crazy. It's an opportunity for us to go, Lord, help me to just ask. There's, there's that thing about kids. They want to ask you a question, you know. This morning, I had, one of the kids came up to me and said, hey, you know what? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, you're going to church today? No. You're eating a bagel? No. You know what? I'm like, what? This is the first thing out of his mouth. He didn't say, hey, Greg, anything. He's the cutest kid. I love him. And he says, no, um, uh, today I get two candies. Because yesterday we missed, so that means today is two. It's a good thing. He remembers. Like, hey, I was supposed to get a candy yesterday. I didn't get it. Today I'm getting the extra candy. I just wanted you to know that first thing in the morning. Forget the hello and good morning. I'm letting you know I'm getting two candies. <laughs> There's like a joy in a kid that's like, hey, I, I'm, I've got it. My, my parents told me it's today. Can I, if we could have that kind of, the Lord's given me a, a, a promise in my heart that he's given me this word. He wants me to step out. Hey, today's that day. I'm going to do it today. You know what? Yesterday may not have been a great day, but today he's going to do something even greater. And I believe he wants to do that in your life and in my life too. I am not different than you or me. We are the same and we got to step out. So let's pray. Let's ask God to bless. God, we thank you that you are the one who gives us freedom. Thank you, Jesus, that you rose again, that you, first of all, died for us and sacrificed your life for us, and then you laid your life down so that we could live abundant life, that we could be set free. And I pray, Lord God, for anybody here that doesn't know you, that they would come to that place of understanding of knowing you, Jesus, as their Lord, their Savior, their friend, that they would seek forgiveness. Lord, I pray for anybody that may be struggling right now. There is a withered hand, that thing in their life, and they want to step out of that. God, we want to pray for them right now. If you have their heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here and you say, man, I am dealing with something, and I want to confess it to the Lord. I want to I do that right now. You, I need his help, his strength to empower me to walk in obedience. Just lift up your hands, and I want to pray for you. And you say, yeah, that's me. And your people, hands around the room. And you say, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. So you say, Lord, that you will be with us and you are for us and you're never going to leave us or forsake us. And I thank you, Lord, that you can give every person that has lifted up their hand the strength and the power to obey, that they would leave whatever is behind them. They would see that what's ahead is way better than what has been behind Lord, that the future, the reward that you have for them is so much better. Just like that man with the withered hand, he had a whole new hand. God, I pray you would give these people a whole new life ahead as they stretch out, as they trust you, Jesus, as they trust you for their, not only, Lord, their forgiveness, Lord, that you would help them to even cry out to you right now, Lord Jesus, forgive me and help me to walk after your ways. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this time. Thank you for the promise that you give us. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen.
Let's give the Lord a hand. Hey, I want to make sure that you know today, if you have any questions about a relationship with Jesus, if you're here and you go, man, I've never been forgiven of my sins. I've never had that relationship. I would love to talk to you afterwards. I'm going to be around here. We got people out at our red table outside. They would answer questions. But if you're at a place where you go, man, I would love to know more about how to be forgiven of my sins and the promise of eternal life. It's simple. It's, it's saying to Jesus, Jesus, you died for me. I accept you. I receive you. And I put my faith and trust in you. And today I'm going to walk after you. 